Welcome to the Health Design Podcast. Here's your host, Moyes Jiwa. My guest on the podcast today has a sister who lives with congenital disorders of glycosylation, CDG. Vanessa Ferreira has dedicated her life to improving the outcome for patients with CDG by driving research for better treatment and earlier diagnosis of this condition. Here to tell her story is Vanessa Ferreira. Vanessa, I'm delighted to be able to spend time with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I want to start with asking you about your PhD. Now, I know that you did a PhD in cell development biology, which seems a world away from where you're currently working. So tell us how you came to do that. I came to do that because I think since early ages, I was a curious person. And um, actually, I had a driving force in my life that boosted my curiosity. And uh, that driving force is the fact that my sister, she lives with a, a very rare, severe, rare metabolic disease called congenital disorders of glycosylation. And uh, I was actually the typical young student at the high school that was fascinated by biology and always was trying to figure out, should I become a medical doctor or shall I just study biology, then at the end it was biology because I think I really wanted to understand what was happening with my sister from the basic, uh, let's say, side and biology ended up to be the the way and then uh, the, the PhD, it was really because at some point I really felt that uh, if I would do a PhD, I could better understand what was happening with my sister and I could uh, being, I, I would be actually able to help my, my family. And then from there, I was willing to not only help my family, but helping many other people in the world. I'm thinking about what it must have been like working in the laboratory when you're living with the reality of your sister and, and her illness, how did you manage to stay patient? Because science takes a long time to answer questions. And there you are living with this person who had an illness that you desperately wanted to see improve. It's not easy because we always want uh, fast solutions, fast answers for um, something that uh, is really impacting us in our daily life. But uh, from the beginning, I could understand that uh, congenital disorders of glycosylation were a very complicated disease because it is a family of rare diseases. Right now, we know 170 different CDG types. Each type is a world and it is multisystemic. So I somehow could immediately understand that uh, I needed to give that time to research because when I have started actually to read scientific papers in order to learn more about this group of diseases, very fast I could understand that uh, we were still at uh, embryonic stages of this uh, disease. We were at the tip of the iceberg. So we, we got our, or my sister got her 
definitive diagnosis in 1996. And uh, it was just the beginning of the somehow the story of this family uh, of rare metabolic diseases. That seems to be very much the story for so many patients who have rare diseases where science, as you say, takes time to unravel the puzzle to understand what's going on. Meanwhile, families are coping with difficult situations. And that must have been the case for you as well. How did you do that? How did you manage to support the family knowing that an answer was going to be many, many years away? My connection with the patient advocacy organizations was key. Since early ages, I wanted to get involved and help patient organizations. I have started to to be very much involved with the Spanish patient group that was representing CDG. And I felt I could actually help the families because I had my scientific background. And something that I could immediately do in order to help them was to somehow facilitate information that was very complex with the lots of scientific jargon, and transform this complex information in lay language. That was a key point where I could perceive that I could be of help. And then, because I was myself in science and I'm myself a researcher, I could actually get um, easy contacts and connections across the, the researchers and also the healthcare professionals. So... At the beginning, I have to say, somehow, me and my family, we were a bit lost on how can we actually help other families like us, because we we didn't have the step-by-step guide that I think is very useful for everybody that wants to make a difference in other people's lives. So, of course, the, the beginning was extremely difficult, but... Then the puzzle started to to be completed because we were very persistent and we had, in our mind, the goal was very clear. We want to help other families like us and we want to be able to have an impact not only on CDG, but also an impact in many other diseases thanks to the work that we may be able to do. You've hit on a really important point because... 1996 was before the internet in many ways, at least in the internet in the way that it is now functioning. You can get information very quickly. I refer patients to support groups and they seem to get information much faster and are more up-to-date often than I as a medical practitioner am and bring me information that I can use to help them. Is that your experience and is that what has accelerated what would have been years to get to either diagnosis or treatment? Definitely access to information is crucial and I I strongly recommend every families that live with a a difficult diagnosis, like in our case with CDG, to get empowered, to get informed as much as they can because then that can open avenues actually to make decisions with their healthcare uh, professionals. So as a starting point. In our case, in 1996, you are right, 
we only had one website. It was from the CDG Patient Advocacy Group in USA. And we only had an emailing list that we, we were oft, of very often using in order to exchange information. So I myself, I was lucky to know English and to be able to outreach back to that time to the, the, the patient group in US and to get plenty of information that was very useful for us to somehow take decisions about the care and management of my sister disease. Otherwise, we would be very much lost in everything that was happening for her disease. Nowadays, we, for instance, as a patient group, we are leading many efforts to make part of the information available for families. We are trying to make uh, guidelines for the management, uh, for instance, of the most common CDG, which is called PMM2CDG, in lay language. But uh, this is a huge commitment effort because it demands plenty of resources as well to make it happen. Looking ahead and supposing somebody was to get this diagnosis today, how soon do you think it will be before they will receive even better care than is available today? I think nowadays, thanks to the efforts of uh, a united community like CDG, of course, it will depend on the country where we live and the level of awareness among the, the healthcare professionals. If they know already CDG because they had met a patient or not. So we are actually leading right now a research project aimed at describing the CDG patient journey. So it's our the CDG patient journey mapping when we are doing from uh, the family's point of view and healthcare professionals. And of course, there are differences among both perspectives, but we know that nowadays the, the diagnosis can be relatively faster than in the past. And I do believe that with the power of the technology and also lots of efforts that the full community is doing in order to communicate and uh, raising awareness around CDG, when I look to the future, I believe that families will get faster diagnosis thanks to our community-centric approach. You're listening to the Health Design Podcast with your host, Moyes Jiwa. What you're saying is that it is both science, but also the organization of communities, particularly those that were who are involved with the rare disease, that are making life that much easier for those who have to live with these conditions. I want to pivot now to the work that you are currently doing, Vanessa. So what is it that is driving you to your office these days? What drives me is really the, the will and belief that we are making a real difference, a positive impact in our families' lives and that everything we do, it will not only benefit CDG, but it will definitely benefit many other communities. So it's really that motor force that tells you this is really worth because 
what we do matters to the to the community and we have plenty of examples for instance we do world cdg conference uh, every two years that is co-created with the community because we do the agenda thanks to the feedback that our community give to the surveys that we administer. So that surveys are really crucial because it allowed us to every year uh, to set the scene about what are the topics that we should bring for the conference because the community considers they are a priority. So I think when we start to have this community-centric approach, we want to go to the office every day because what we are doing is really helping many people. I was fascinated to hear that you were talking about co-creating with the community. So just to be clear, the partners are the community and clinicians or researchers or scientists. Who, who is the partnership? We definitely, for us, as a, as a priority, the families, the healthcare professionals and the researchers. And also we, fortunately, nowadays we are starting to have some pharmaceutical industries in, interested in CDG. So we also want to involve them as much as we can in our projects, because if we reach consensus, for instance, about the future topics that are key to do research projects, if we do it with the community approach, uh, it means that uh, we are really addressing top priority needs that need to be fulfilled with a major solution. So that's why we, um, we do it like that. It's in our DNA. But it's also the way that science can make the most progress. Because what we were saying earlier, the internet has made a difference because it connected people. They then connected clinicians. They then connected the scientists. So it sounds like your message is that when the people themselves who are impacted by this are driving that science and driving that solution generation, that it is so much more effective. Definitely. It's the collaborative, united spirit and mindset makes the, the difference. And when we do co-creation in all research projects, we definitely are able even to set metrics that will then also show the impact of the work that we do with the community. So. Of course, co-creation is also very demanding. Informing the people about the research projects, consulting the people is different from collaborating because co-creation means that then the people also have the power to decide, to take decisions together. And sometimes entities or organizations are, are not yet prepared for that. So I think we still have a path to do in our particular community, we are fortunate to have a passionate community that is with this collaborative mindset. And I think we had many examples like European projects that have been receiving grants that showed that through networks of collaboration, research for CDG 
was tremendously boosted. We identified more new CDGs, uh, uh, diagnostic tools have been more developed, etc., etc. It is important, but it's not necessarily easy because you've got to bring people together who have different stakes in the problem and will want to see their bit of the puzzle being addressed as a priority. Yes, definitely. Everybody knows that um, CDG, in, our, in the case of uh, CDG families, it is a very impactful disease. So I think somehow everybody that comes to the community when they get to know the families, the children, the adults that live with this disease, it's very easy, easy to understand that uh, we need urgent collaborative efforts to address all the difficulties and the challenges that the CDG brings to, to the families' lives. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot and say if you had one wish that you would love to see achieved in the next couple of years to improve the lives of these people, what would that be? One thing, a huge pipeline with clinical trials that uh, are co-created in a systematic way with patient advocates and their representatives and the rest of the community. So um, that would be my wildest wish in the near future. The Journal of Health Design, fostering collaboration, amplifying the voice of health advocates, growing a network to improve outcomes in healthcare. I have a feeling, Vanessa, that it's not as wild as you think, that this is, this is the way things will progress and move and your dream will come true. So in terms of your personal stake in this, tell us a little bit about what you are now doing and the work that you're now leading. Since um, 2016, I have co-founded an international people-centric research network fully dedicated to, to CDG. And um, what we have done was, in one hand, we identified gaps in the field of CDG. One major gap where there was almost no research was in the field of immunological involvement in CDG. And uh, I was with uh, Paula Videra, who is the co-founder uh, of CDG and, and Allies, and she's a glycoimmunologist. And I, at some point around the coffee, I was telling her that in the case of my sister, she, uh, so when she presented stroke-like episodes, she usually had a, a kind of a high fever, and then that was bringing many other symptoms and putting her life in risk. And that was an open eye for us to, to start to think, what do we know around immunological involvement in CDG? And I went to PubMed. We couldn't find a lot of things. And we said, well, maybe there is here a priority area to start. To, uh, to promote and to do and to lead more research. And for us to have uh, secure uh, steps, what 
we have done was let's do a, a revision of literature, literature and check what do we know about this topic. And thanks to this revision of literature, we have set up hypotheses, our research questions for two PhD students that later on have won a scholarship to do four years of PhD fully dedicated to the immunological field in CDG. But I also wanted to boost not only the wet lab research, but also the dry lab research. Back to that time, I knew that patient advocacy groups could have a role, not only on research, basic research or translational research, but also across clinical trials, regulatory and market access. And I started to see what do we need later on if we have in the future pharmaceutical industries that are interested in CDG, what kind of tools do they need in order to progress in their clinical programs? And so I started to say, okay, we need health-related quality of life. Okay, so let's do a revision around health-related quality of life in rare metabolic diseases, and let's see if there is any of the existing tools that could be eventually used for CDG. Then, okay, we will need later on patient preference information studies. So we led and we are about to publish the first results of uh, a patient preference information in the field of CDG. Then I also identified the CDG patient journey mapping as something crucial to identify major gaps along the journey of the families. So we also have settled the, the project dedicated to this topic. So at the end is a mix of doing experiments in, and advanced science with the wet lab research, focus mostly on immunological issues in CDG. But on the other hand, we really want to get and to collect robust evidence from the families, from the community, in order to bring solutions and tools that can actually help in the future pharmaceutical industries that can develop clinical programs for CDG. Fantastic that you started off with your PhD in cell development biology. You clearly have used all of that know-how to understand and unpick the problem and therefore define the solution. Where are we up to now? In, that, in terms of that work, is there something that our listeners can help with? Is there some way in which we can support you? We always welcome, for instance, young students from biology, medicine. I have to say we are very fortunate to be surrounded by volunteers from these areas that they can help us in different ways. Sometimes they can help us, for instance, producing educational materials. We have a very interesting activity, which, um, because as I said before, CDG is a family of 170 gram metabolic diseases. So we need to give information about each of, uh, of the, the CDG types to the families. What we are currently doing is uh, when uh, families come to us and ask uh, information about a certain CDG type, 
We do a, a revision of literature using PubMed as source of information. And then we transform this revision of literature into lay language infographics. So the revision of literature are actually tools for families to give to their doctors as a way to facilitate actually access about that certain CDG type, because usually many doctors don't, are not familiarized with the certain CDG types. And then the lay language infographic is extremely useful for families to know the basics about the disease and to feel more equipped and help skill about the disease. So we certainly welcome students for this more like dry lab research work. We also continue doing many revisions of literatures around different topics uh, because uh, CDG, as I said, it is multisystemic. So we have led different revisions of literature around uh, the eye involvement in CDG, cardiological involvement in CDG. So uh, there are still many opportunities for people to help us uh, compiling these different information because many we have nowadays so much information fragmented that uh, revisions of literature can be an easy way to centralize everything and to empower doctors and families at the same time. I echo your commitment to systematic review of literature because that is certainly one way that we don't repeat science and repeat questions that have already been answered so that we are clear on where the gaps are in the knowledge. Uh, that seems like a very solid way forward. This is what we believe as well, because thanks to these uh, revisions of literature, we could even identify existing tools that we could use to benefit the CDG field. So that's why, for instance, we did efforts in order to check what do we know about in terms of artificial intelligence in rare diseases in general, and then uh, we have refined it uh, to, to analyze what we know about artificial intelligence in the case of CDG, but also many other works like the identification of health-related quality of life instruments in the, in the field of rare metabolic diseases. So one of our questions is, instead of building one health-related quality of life instrument, which is extremely uh, resourceful. Let's see first if there is already something that exists and that eventually we could adapt and apply for CDG. So like that, we are at the end using existing resources in an efficient way. And we believe this is the way we can also accelerate the full process to bring therapies for CDG as soon as possible. Vanessa, we'll make sure that we include all the links that you have described and how people can actively collaborate with you on this project. It has been a joy spending time with you this morning, your evening. We wish you all the very best and I very much would like to repeat this conversation in another few months to see how you're getting on. Thanks so much for this great opportunity. We believe that CDG children and adults 
deserve equal opportunities and uh, we will keep fighting with all our strength and hope and collaborative spirit to make it happen in the near future. The future is all the brighter for the work that you do. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you so much. The Health Design Podcast. Serving patient and physician advocates. Visit us at journalofhealthdesign.com.